Mufti Fraz, um, welcome to our, our video interview that we're doing here today in your hometown of, of Leicester. Um, so thank you for, for making some time for, for us today. Um, subjects that I think we're, we'd like to talk about and cover in, in a bit of detail today is really, um, from our side, we can explain how Acorn Property Invest um, has come to work with, with yourself and at Amana Advisors. Um, and really delve in, in a little bit more detail about Sharia investing, the Sharia principles, um, and the structure of the products that, that we're now promoting at, at Acorn Property Invest. So um, welcome. If you could explain a little bit about Amana and yourself um, and what it is that, that you do, um, I can then elaborate a little bit more on, on how this all started. Yeah, sure. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to meet yourself, Harry, and the team. Uh, at Amana Advisors, we're very privileged and happy to be working with Acorn. Uh, we've always valued the relationship and really enjoyed the kind of partnership and the work that we've done together so far. And I believe there's so much more to do uh, when it comes to developing Sharia compliant products with Acorn. Uh, a bit about Amana Advisors, uh, especially for the viewers. Amana Advisors is a global Sharia advisory firm, right? So we've been working for almost seven, eight years now. Uh, we have clients from Canada all the way to Australia and the different countries in between, literally. Uh, we specialize in providing Sharia governance, right? We, what we like to call is we Sharia power companies. That's the way I like to frame it. Okay. So we empower companies to be Sharia compliant, uh, powering their products, their services to align with Sharia val values. So that includes product development. It includes uh, reviewing structures, advisory, audits, certification governance, an end-to-end -end service. So no firm out there needs to worry whether their products are Sharia compliant. They simply outsource the entire thing to us and then we take care of it. Uh, we have a small team, about six, seven of us, uh, but typically I'm the face of, uh, of the day-to-day -day business and uh, ensuring that everything is running well. Uh, but yeah, with Acorn, I think it's been two years now yeah. that we've been working together uh, and it's been a very smooth ride. <laughs> I've had tougher rides before, but this has been very smooth, very enjoyable and uh, the team is brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I can, can reiterate those sentiments as well. It's been a pleasure working with you so far, and we, we look forward to, to a lot more in the future. Um, I'm sure most of our viewers will know by now, Acorn Property Group, um, we're uh, one of the uh, most successful medium-sized house builders in the country. We, we've been around close to 30 years now, started off mainly in, in London, SE1, was one of the first developers in with the regeneration of, of brownfield sites, old commercial light industrial units in and around SE1 in the South Bank of London and, and had really some great success of that in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, we, we then replicated that model um, and looking for similar type of, of properties that we could really develop ourselves and, and put our stamp on them of, of design-led building practices, bespoke um, schemes that we were building rather than some of your national house builders that just build boxes in fields, right? Mm. So we're, we're different by design. That's our, our whole company ethos. Um, and we've now done that very successfully, expanding from London all the way across the southwest. We now have offices in Bristol, Exeter, Cardiff, um, and, and down in Newquay. And nothing in Leicester though, right? Nothing in Leicester, not yet. <laughs> not yet. No, maybe, maybe that's to come in the future. <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, this is the first of many visits then. Yeah, you, you, you never know. Um, there's some beautiful buildings around here. So yeah, it, it, it could be on the cards. Mm -hmm. um, 
in terms of Acorn Property Invest, I mean, with Acorn Property Group has completed 130 odd individual developments, built thousands of, of beautiful new homes. Um, and Acorn Property Invest was set up um, really to supply some of the additional finance to fuel the expansion um, of the business, enabling us to deliver more homes that are, are so sought after and needed uh, across the UK. There really is a, a shortage of good quality mm-hmm. homes. Um, we we took advice on, on looking in, in, in the market, started off with um, some bond instruments, loan notes, a variety of different products. What's really important for us is, is to listen to what investors want. We, we deliver, ex, we're excellent at building and selling homes, and we want to continue that, that mindset and ethos across Acorn Property Invest. Um, so we've been running a few years, and what we noticed, um, we had lots of inquiries coming through from, from Muslim and Islamic investors, um, who traditionally have had a lot of success and really like investing in, in property. Um, what was new to us as a company was some of the the, the Sharia principles um, that was really leading those decisions for them to invest in property because there was a shortage of, of good quality Sharia compliant investment products out there in the market at the point. And still now, I believe it's quite an underserved area of the market given the size of the Islamic community in the UK, right? Um, so we were looking around... Um, we want to always offer a diverse range of products and be in as, inclusive, as inclusive as possible. So after listening to, to, to investors and what they needed, we realized that this is something that's new to us and we're going to need some help. So I think that's what led us to, 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 to meeting with yourself. Um, and you really have helped educate us in terms of what needs to be done to structure these products um, to ensure that these principles and values of Sharia law are met within our investment products. So thank you for everything that you've done so far. Uh, and I think it would be good if we can delve into what that really means, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just a, a stamp on a bit of paper that says, oh, I've given this the once over. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more yeah, yeah. That, that goes into it, I mean, right? Absolutely. I think when we engaged initially, it must have been t- taken... Um, I think four or five months, if I'm not mistaken, in just ensuring everything is proper, right? Yeah. Uh, I've worked with so many different members of the team, from the legals to the marketing to the operational staff to the executives. Um, and then also ensuring that the team themselves understand what it means to be Sharia compliant, right? Because Sharia is not just about, as you mentioned, it's not just a, a stamp or a tick box exercise for us. It's an entire change in ethos, in values, in behavior, Right, the way you engage with customers, the way you educate them, the transparency, the disclosures, something which Acorn would already have, but just from a Sharia perspective, ensuring that's in place. Right? Um, so then the product is underpinning all of these other activities. Right? So the product has to be Sharia compliant, the way it's structured, the contracts and everything. But then even the way we explain the product, the way we engage with investors, right? the way we understand what it means to be Sharia compliant, what we deliver in the market, our values, right? We want a world which is sustainable, which is empowering, which is valuable to society, right? And something you mentioned about property being aligned with Sharia principles. There's a very interesting thing there because um, uh, there's a focus from a Sharia perspective to invest in the real economy and to help support housing, jobs, right? Impact real people and real lives as opposed to financialization, 
continuously investing in financial assets, right? That's why Acorn, the what Acorn brought to the table was very much aligned with his vision of empowering the real economy and having real impact on the ground. And that's what when we when we engaged, I thought this is a brilliant product. We need to structure this in a Sharia compliant way mm-hmm. for it to work because as you've seen and as I know as well, uh, there are many investors out there looking to invest in property. I mean, if you look at the GCC in the Middle East, property is probably the number one asset class, right? Yeah. It's something which runs in the kind of Islamic world and you'll see investors from across the world interested in, especially in the UK property. Right? There's a lot of focus and uh, interest ac- across the world to invest in UK property. So this is a brilliant project and uh, an asset class which naturally aligns with Sharia principles. And I think what, what we're bringing with Acorn Property Invest is an alternative way of investing in property. You're not buying physical bricks and mortar, right? It's a, a financial instrument that helps finance the development of our property projects, which um, has got a, a lot of benefits. And also, again, coming back to that word being more inclusive, you're not having to, to, to find the sort of capital sometimes required to buy physical property. Um, so therefore, we can reach a much wider demographic of people, right? Absolutely. That, that may want to invest in property, but don't have the means to, to invest at the level currently required in most places across the UK. Absolutely. Because it, 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 it's not cheap. So, yeah, I think that that's been absolutely key for, for us as well, um, which is it, it is obviously really nice. From our side, it helps us finance the expansion of our business um, and delivering that underserved part of the market, new homes coming out, um, but also gives the investor not just um, the potential of a, a great return, um, but, but also access to something they may otherwise take them a lot longer to get involved with, right? That's why I know many times I've taken queries from people asking about the product on Acorn itself. And what I typically tell people is when you're investing, don't just think of financial return. As a Muslim, we also have this like spiritual element, right? So there's a spiritual return there because if you're helping build homes, there's some kind of like a comfort there that we are a means of housing and sheltering people in that there's some kind of spiritual gain as well for us. We believe that this can be rewarding for us. We can get some reward. Yeah. And so it's like financial return as well as, as, well as if your intention is right, some spiritual return as well. And I mean, we, we certainly at Acorn tick those boxes. A number of our, our schemes that we're building, once we go above a certain size, part of the, the permissions um, for us to, to build those schemes have to include an element of affordable housing, social housing, um, which of course serves some of the, the, the less either affluent or less fortunate members of, of community that might not be able to afford the, the typical type of housing and properties that we're building mm-hmm. as well, right? So. Um, that's always important. It, it's not just a, a standard developer where there's lots of people in the market that may try and get out of doing those things. That's something that we, we wholeheartedly in, mm. I- embrace as, as a developer. Yeah, and that's exactly what Sharia investing is about, right? Sharia investing is, it's like a, a dimension or a realm where you're not just looking at the numbers in terms of financial return. Mm-hmm. There's so many different metrics to be conscious of and that adds value to the investment, right? So you may have a, have a, a, a scoring mechanism where yeah, you're, you're Sharia compliant, your returns are good, but then how much impact are you having in the real world? Like, how are you supporting people who are struggling otherwise? You're housing them and sheltering them, right? Um, how are you creating new opportunities for people? Yeah. yeah. So there's many things potentially that you'd be doing with your investment. So what we tell investors is, be conscious of all those things. When you're making a decision to invest, don't just look at the uh, financial return. 
Think about all these other things and be consciously aware of those things. And that really then adds value in your investment, in your own spiritual development as well. It's interesting because it's something um, that we're coming across also with, with, with these products. When we explain after learning more about it ourselves and immersing ourselves in, in, in what it really means um, to have a, a Sharia compliant investment, we're now finding that it's not just Muslims or Islamic investors that, that, are, that are interested in these, these products because of those very principles, right? Mm. There's a whole shift in, in people's mindset um, in the investment world that seems to have gone from just return focused, how do I maximize return, to actually caring a lot more about what their funds are used for, what impact that's having for good, right? Um, and that's something that actually, when we explain the, the, the Sharia element, and, and look, generally speaking, what we do anyway, regardless of that, um, is a positive thing, but mm. because of the Sharia element, it just enforces that, right? And that gives a lot of people some comfort. Then they like investing in this, regardless of of their own faith, religion, or beliefs. Mm. So mm. Um, it, it it's being embraced by a lot of investors from all walks of life. You know, I'm not surprised by that because Sharia. There's many overlaps between ESG, the environmental social governance, yeah. your ethical investing, your SRI, your socially responsible investing. Um, and all these different types of values-based investing frameworks that are out there, Sharia already encompasses all those ideas, right? So this is something which is from 1,400 years ago. Although Islam was, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was a final messenger, but these principles have come from, that's why Muslims also believe in Jesus as a prophet, in Moses. It's the same idea from different prophets, right? Um, so that's why it resonates with different people from different walks of life. Right? I'm not surprised by that. Uh, and Sharia is all about how do we add value to society? That's what it's all about, right? Shari what does Sharia mean? When I mean, people hear the word Sharia, sometimes they, they get scared by that term. That what, is, what does it mean? And they see all types of things in the media. But Sharia is really about adding power. I mean, the word literally means uh, a path to water in a desert. Right? Why is okay. it called that? Sharia is that path which leads you to a source of water in a desert because it's there. Imagine yourself in a desert on your own, thirsty, starving, hungry, looking for savior. And you find a path which leads you to water. That's going to be a savior. That literally that path is going to save your life, right? So that's why Sharia is called Sharia because it's a path to salvation. It's a very empowering way to live. It's, it's not just rituals. It's, it's an entire way, a financial way, social way. That's why from an investing perspective, what you mentioned, using your money for good. We can't, as Muslims, uh, the Sharia teaches us, we shouldn't be investing in casino, right? In casinos, in gambling. Mm -hmm. Bec and that's why we see so, if you go to, uh, if you look at adver uh, uh, advertisers out there or anything to do with gambling, there's always a warning there. Uh, we have a commission overseeing gambling because the harms of it are well known. Tobacco. If you go to buy cigarettes at a corner, uh, at, a, at a store or something, you'll see on the packet very clearly, tobacco kills, smoking kills, right? Sharia says the same thing. You stay away from it. Alcohol. You can't invest in the alcohol industry. Why, why is alcohol not, you, you can't sell alcohol to anybody and everybody? Same reason. There's a clear harm there. So Sharia principles, for the most part, it's what we practice anyway. I think there's a conscious awareness amongst our people that there are things in our society which are not good for us and there are things which are good for us. So our money should be uh, invested and directed towards those uh, uh, industries which are actually value adding 
And that's what Sharia is about. So homes, building homes, empowering that, it's a value-adding benefit to the society. So when we look at, at bringing that back to, to, to finance and investing specifically, there's a, a, a number of different um, Sharia-compliant structures um, that, that we can use right to ensure that those, those principles are met and adhered to. If we can go into a little bit of, of, of detail and, and if you can give us some more insight on probably the, the two or three main ones. And I think the first product that we've worked with you on um, was a Mirabaha structure. Sure. Uh, investment, which has done really well um, for us. It's been very popular. Um, We are now looking at others, but if we focus on on that one to start with, if you could maybe give our our viewers a little bit of insight to to that type of structure Mm -hmm. and and what that means. Yeah, so the problem was initially uh, the typical product that was offered is just bonds and uh, interest-based financing. You lend money and the investor is paid a markup, which is interest, and they get the principal back, right? From a Sharia perspective, lending is a charitable contract. Well, this is really in all the Abrahamic faiths as well as the classical philosophers. You'll see they've all spoken about interest in a negative way, right? So it's not it's not only Islam, it's everybody has the same kind of like classically the same view, but contemporary finance has embraced interest-based uh, lending and financing. So from, a, from an Islamic perspective, we see interest as exploitation, lending is a charitable contract. Is there to support your brother, right? That's what it's about. Supporting others in their time of need. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't monetize uh, from a person's need or commoditize that need and then charge them interest. It's unfair because they're bearing the risk of the funds, right? If I give a loan to somebody, they bear all the risk of the, what happens with that money. But I'm still guaranteed the principal and a return on top. That's why it's unfair. So what Sharia says is this, you can't do this. But what you should be doing is, and the second point here to add actually, which is interesting is, Sharia has a vision for money. Money is not a commodity. And this is exactly what, if you look at the classical economists, this, what they say, they say the same thing, right? That money is not a commodity, it's only a medium of exchange. So you can't charge a penny over a pound. It's a pound for a pound, right? If you want to make money, it has to be invested in productive assets and services. You can't just make money from money directly. That's why the Murabaha product comes in now. Because what happens in the Murabaha product is, we're actually buying something, we have a share in something, and then we're on-selling the asset with a markup. So our return is not directly from a loan, rather I've bought an interest in property, I have an ownership share in an asset, then I'm selling that asset with a markup. So your financing is now always tied with an asset. Mm-hmm. And it's that connection every form of transaction must be tied with an asset that controls inflation and so many other things because at the moment money is not tied to assets the volume of money can rise exponentially assets remain the same and that's what creates a mismatch and there's inflation there issue with the money supply so the islamic principles say no it has to be asset backed always so what we do now in acorn the structure we developed was murabaha whereby an investor will come in he'll actually buy shares and get a beneficial interest in property. And to generate that return, those properties are unsold. Right? So they're buying a share and selling that share in property and generating the profit from there. As opposed to what would happen in your non-compliant or your, your conventional portfolio, right? Which was just lending with interest. And that's the difference between the two products. 
Perfect. And and now there there's a, a new product that we're we're launching, which is a slightly different structure. Again, with, with in line with the Sharia principles, um, which um, is Wakala. Mm-hmm. Um, could you do the same and explain a little bit yeah, yeah. more about that and the difference with with, with that product? Yeah. Structure? So Wakala just means agency. Right? That's what it means. Uh, it's a very common product being used now across the Middle East and other parts of the world. All it is, it's an investor now. Instead of being the counterparty buying a share, they're simply appointing Acorn to be their investment agent and saying, look, here's my funds. Deal with it in a Sharia compliant way. Acorn will then go and do the same thing. See, with the Wakala, you still need the Murabaha product. So the Wakala product is still linked to the Murabaha product. The Murabaha is like the core and the basis. So what happens is the investor's coming in, he's, he's the principal, appointing Acorn as the agent, and then the agent takes it and does the next transaction on their behalf. It's more like a passive hands-off approach. That's the benefit of that structure. It's more passive, hands-off, the investor has less to deal with. Just hand over the money and they'll generate and do everything else. But at the end of the day, the underlying structure is still Murabaha, uh, which is, uh, if uh, just for everybody's benefit, Murabaha simply means a cost plus profit transaction. Cost plus profit uh, so it's a very common form of financing. You typically see Murabaha in trade financing. I mean, previously, in the very early days, I think 20 years ago, there were home financing products based on Murabaha, even 30 years ago, right? Where if you want to buy a property, a residential property, an Islamic finance house or Islamic bank would offer a Murabaha product, whereby they would go and buy your property from the vendor and then sell it to you with a markup, and you'd be paying them over 30 years, 25 years, uh, a fixed return or a fixed rate. Obviously, the problem with that was because of the uncertainty and risk, Murabaha didn't work because you can't change the price in a Murabaha. Mm-hmm. It's a sale. You're not, you're not lending money. You're not, it's not a lease or anything. So there's no variable rate. Right? But this Murabaha structure then is very common. Right now, we are also structuring a product for another firm who are in uh, trade financing. So how do you structure a use a murabaha to structure like supply chain financing and trade financing where you can buy goods and on-sell them with a markup? So the same principle. So Acorn is using the same idea to generate that return where you're actually investing in assets, in property, uh, and you're on-selling that to a third party. Perfect. Thank you. That, that That's very clear. And mm-hmm. I know our viewers will... We'll appreciate that, which is what some of the, these things are about. It's about education yeah, as yeah. well, because um, it, it is new terms for a lot of people. As I said, especially people that are, are coming in that that um, may have only traditionally done more straightforward property investments, right? Because um, this is a, a more structured product. Mm. Um, but it's not just the structure of the product, is it, which is important. So that obviously is key in terms of the mechanics of how it's put together, but what is just as important from my understanding um, is the use and proceeds of, of, of those funds, what, what, what the, the, the underlying investment is, the assets that, that are bought, built, sold with those investors' funds as well. Um, in particular, I know from the, the discussions we've had in, in early days, it's been the importance of the green building practices for us specifically, right? Um, so what, why is that so important, the sustainable angle, green building practices? 
how does that relate back yeah. to, to, to Sharia? Absolutely. Oh, this is one thing that came to mind while you were speaking, actually, which is people think that Sharia products are just for Muslims. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the case, right? Anybody can invest in them. Right? So anybody who finds uh, this idea interesting, they're more than welcome. It's not a restrictive thing. To be honest, it doesn't make difference to you. The mechanics doesn't make much difference to the investor. Yeah. But it's just, it's the vision which you're speaking about right now and the values behind the vision. So any person can invest in any Sharia product they see online. There's no kind of discrimination in that sense. Everybody's welcome. If, if, if it makes sense to you, 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 you know, you're inclined to the idea, you can invest. We're getting that now. It's like when you mention now, which are becoming almost buzzwords, the ESG, SRI type investments are becoming very popular and very common with investors. And actually that, that, that's becoming more important than investors' decision-making process of making sure they're ticking the, these socially responsible investment boxes or they're ethical, their green element to it. Um, and from my understanding, the fact that this, this is Sharia compliant almost... It, it surpasses that. It's similar in terms of saying, actually, this, this meets certain ethical principles for, for anybody. If you have values and you're concerned that your money's doing good, this, this almost is a seal of approval as well, right? And we're getting interest from people that, well, what is that? They're asking questions and it, 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 it's really interesting and encouraging to see. Yeah. But on your sustainability question, there's, an, there's a concept in Sharia and it's mentioned in the Quran. The Quran is like the revelation, right? From God, uh, the final revelation that we believe in. So there's a concept called the Mizan. Mizan in Arabic means like the balance. So... Is God has placed a balance in the world And everything has a balance The moment we are excessive There's an imbalance in the world When there's an imbalance You start seeing things like climate change You start seeing all of these things, right? So the balance must be upheld And the practices that we're taught Is to maintain the balance in the world mm-hmm. uh, Which is sustainable, sustainable practices So for example uh, We're taught that the, the Prophet Muhammad Peace be upon him He told us That uh, he saw once a companion of his using water next to a river and he said to him uh, are you being extravagant maybe he was using too much water at the time so he said how can there be extravagance you know there's a river flowing it's almost like an you know an infinite supply of water he said so he said even here there could be extravagance so don't look at how much resources you have for the supply just it's your behavior and actions with things right which is the key so when it comes to water we're, we're taught in fact when he would Muslims, we wash ourselves daily for every prayer, five times a day, we have to wash ourselves. So cleanliness, being pure and clean is very, you know, inherently part of the faith. Uh, so we wash ourselves, even then, we don't waste water. Like when we're using, when the tap is running, we don't leave the tap running. We close the tap, wash, again, open, because that's the way the Prophet taught us how to wash ourselves. So very economic, even with water. He would he would wash himself with less than one litre. But even wash himself properly, but economic. Uh, when it came to eating, we're always told to share our food with people. Again, these practices. When it comes to um, simply even consuming food, not to overconsume. There's a famous teaching in Islam where we're told one third is for food, one third for drinking, and one third leave your stomach empty. So third, third, third. Again, moderation. Right? So everything in Islam, in fact, when you talk about even planting trees and green products and all these things, Islam encourages the Messenger of Allah, the Prophet Muhammad, he encouraged us to plant trees. 
right? So this is the whole green idea. It's already there. And it's not new. It's not new. It's not new. So these values are very much inherent in Sharia. Uh, we're told to do this to be, uh, there's a concept, another concept, extravagance. Extravagance and being excessive and overindulging in things. It's not, these are known as uh, traits of the devil in the revelation. So we're told not to be extravagant, always living within our means, not to focus on our wants, rather focus on needs. And these small things, they may seem you know, philosophical and like spiritual, but they have a real impact on life. Because if all of us practice upon these ideals, then it changed the world. But because we're so focused on our wants and excessiveness and over-consuming, over-indulging. That's what creates unsustainable practices because it's just not sustainable. You can never fulfill your, all your wants, right? And that's what creates this kind of imbalance in the world, which the Quran talks about, the revelation, this mizan, this balance, that maintain that balance. Don't overdo things because it creates an imbalance. And that's when we see these uh, tragic things happening across the world, when it's floods or anything. You know, many of the scientists are saying uh, it's to do with your global warming and our practices, mm. right? Overproducing, you know, focus on just profit maximization and nothing else. And that's why we have this ESG movement now, SRI, and all these different ideas coming in. How do we find that balance again? What should we as investors be thinking of? Where should our money be going? So it's very interesting how Sharia puts all of this back together again and gives us some kind of like direction, which we, I think we, we so much need today. Absolutely. And I, I think that's also potentially why our relationship has been so smooth, because a lot of these things are not new to Acorn either. Um, it's not like we've we've come to you and, and said, how do we do this? And we've had to change our ways. Yeah. We already had whole divisions of the company. Our Acorn Green brand mm-hmm. does exactly that. It's all about sustainable building practices from how can we make the homes um, as energy efficient as possible? What new technologies can we incorporate mm-hmm. in this? How can we, we limit any, any damage or negative impacts to the environment during our, our build programs? How can we then add value to the local environments, the local communities? What features can we add to, to these schemes that are more community-based as well? Um, so I, I, I'd like to think from your side, you found it relatively easy to, mm. to match the two together um, because we were already doing a lot of these things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it was so, so smooth sailing for us because uh, Acorn has that vision which aligns with Sharia principles. It's just that some of the mechanics we just had to change and create the product because obviously we don't expect you to know that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once that was done, the rest was easy. In terms of, of what's next in, in, in future trends and, and challenges, um, where do you see Sharia investing going and what challenges face people that, that want to invest in, in Sharia-compliant products at the moment? What challenges are faced out there in the market? I think when it comes to challenges, I definitely see challenges, one, for firms who want to raise money and capital, um, especially with the current uh, cost of living crisis and lack of capital available. Um, so it's difficult for many firms to raise. But when it comes to investors themselves, a lot of them... Uh, I think the ticket size is one thing, right? Sometimes not every investment meets the, the, the requirements or the risk return profile is not always there. Some of the other challenges are, are, are face is the diversification in products, right? That's another thing. Uh, at the moment, 
in a non-Islamic world, there's you know, a range of and a suite of products you can invest in. From a Sharia perspective, there's only a limited few products in the UK that you can invest. I mean, it's good for the firms involved because then this capital is concentrated in those in investments, but it's good as a portfolio to have a range and a diversification. That's why you'll typically see property, gold, and perhaps say uh, some shares or stocks. And one, two investors may have some kind of private equity exposure. If you're, if you're looking at five, ten, I mean, it's a very small 10, 20% who'd invest in private equity because mm. of the risk involved, right? But majority, you'll see uh, gold is like, got, you know, oh, it's just one of the ancient asset classes that everybody holds on to. Yes. Yeah, and, very popular uh, again at the moment. Very popular with everything that's happening in the inflation. So as a hedge, it's always seen as an ideal thing, property as well. But it'd be good to see some diversification. I think another thing is education. Right? Education is a huge, huge barrier because financial literacy amongst not only Muslims, I think across everyone, regardless of your faith and uh, your background, is very low. Uh, investments and what it means to invest, the risks involved, how to invest, it's not as easy. It's not something which people are aware of. And I really believe investments should be taught in school. Right, managing finances should be something like a, a GCSE or even like a, for us, a, an 11-year-old child because that's how important money is and imp uh, managing your finances. But what happens is uh, the kid, he'll go to school, he'll do his GCSEs, his A-levels, uh, and he still does not know what it means to budget and finance and, and unless he does an economics kind of degree or it's just you learn on the go and your own interest. So a large population, they just have their money sitting in their bank accounts. And if you're a Muslim, another, see, another challenge is we can't have interest savings accounts. Sure. So we have to have uh, accounts which only are Sharia compliant. So, so, so those who don't have access to Islamic banks and they can't save and deposit with them or choose not to for whatever reason, they, their monies are held in current accounts without any interest. So inflation is already eating that up. That's why it doesn't make sense if, if for a Muslim they should be investing. In fact, from an Islamic perspective, there's an entire encouragement to invest your money. Money should be invested. We shouldn't be hoarding and keeping our money. So you either, that's why the guidance in Islam is if somebody has an orphan under their care, they should be looking after and investing their money. It shouldn't be that the money is just hoarded and sitting there in an account. Because if, if that's the case, there's something called zakat which is a 2.5% annual payment. It's like a wealth tax. So that's levied against any wealth that's just sitting there, idle wealth. Okay. So if wealth, if that's invested in property or invested somewhere, uh, like I've, I've invested, yeah, just say I've invested in a property, there is no zakat to pay. There's no tax, wealth tax levied. Yeah, the rental income I gain, I'll pay on that. But the actual capital is free from that, free from tax. Right, so there's like an implicit arrange, uh, encouragement in Sharia to make your wealth useful to society. Don't keep money just sitting idle. It's not benefiting anybody. So to make sure that money benefits people, there's a tax that's been levied so that money can then go to the poor and needy. So it's encouraging. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that, that's a nice principle. Yeah. And hopefully we, we can have some impact at Acorn of making um, the, these type of investments, alternative ways of investing um, in property and, and this asset class available to, to a lot more people. Yeah. Um, it, it's been fantastic talking with you as, as, as usual, Mufti Fraz. So thank you um, for your time uh, and going through this. It, it's certainly been educational again for us. I hope our viewers um, have enjoyed it. And I, I look forward to 
to doing this again. No, it's a privilege and it's been a pleasure to speak about this. Um, I commend you on the efforts because I think raising awareness on Sharia, I mean, it's not your uh, core kind of concentration. You're, you're obviously have a very specific focus and you're very focused on what you do. But the fact that you've come here to learn about Sharia, to create awareness, it's very commendable. And I hope there's many more of these where we can educate people on, on matters to do with investing, uh, because it affects everybody, whether you're from following a Sharia, a part of the Sharia kind of investing crowd or not, everybody needs to learn about investing, money management, budgeting, uh, what what it means uh, to use money, how to use money, because it, it's it's a an issue right now. People can't budget. People don't know how to budget. There's so much debt, right? People are struggling with credit cards. So it's something I think we all have a duty to help one another. And initiatives like this, I hope, will go very far in helping people in understanding how to manage their money and manage their finances. Thank you. Well, I completely agree. I, I think that the educational side is something that, that we're keen on, on pushing more on the business. Um, and, and thank you to, to you for opening our eyes to certain aspects of it. And we continue to look forward to working together in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you.